which can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. Again, we'll be in the book of Matthew, and we'll specifically be in chapter 13, verses 53 and 58. Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. It reads, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished, and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James, and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. Yes, we have a handout this morning as we're going to look at uh, a number of uh, passages in addition to what is uh, found uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 to 58. Therefore, I thought it would be helpful for you uh, to be able to follow along without a lot of uh, having to turn in your Bibles. We are starting the Advent season, and as we think about the birth of the Lord Jesus, Uh, We have a great uh, fondness for the biblical narrative, Uh, and uh, in that great fondness, a lot of times what is uh, emphasized uh, are the accoutrements, if you will, the the events, the circumstances, but almost in a nostalgic kind of way in which uh, we think of the shepherds, we think of the star, we... Uh, think of uh, all the, the great uh, visitations, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, I want to focus on the significance of Jesus' birth. The significance of Jesus' birth. Our uh, brother was talking about the responses to Jesus, and we're going to be doing very similarly responses to Jesus, but the emphasis is going to be on what is the significance of of these events, these details that we know so well. Uh, What is it that is so important about Jesus' birth that makes him such a unique adult? So we're going to be focusing on Jesus' adult life and how that is informed by his birth. Jesus' adult life and how that is informed by his birth. In the text before us this morning, if you look at your handout, there is a question. And that is, from where did Jesus' uniqueness originate? Okay. What made Jesus so unique, so different from anyone else? The key verse comes in Matthew 13, 54, 
And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, well, now here's our theme, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Where does that come from? How did that happen? Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So where did Jesus' wisdom and power come from? To answer that question correctly, we need to understand Jesus' birth. And that's where these individuals failed. As we work through this narrative, the first thing I would point out to you is that Jesus was an enigma to many who heard him. Jesus is well known having grown up among the people. It says when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and coming to his hometown. So these are people that knew Jesus from his infancy on. People that had spent 30 years with Jesus, interacted with him, uh, talked with him, worked alongside of Jesus. They knew him very well. Many had been exposed to Jesus' teaching, but in latter days, all right? Uh, Jesus did not start his public ministry until he's 30 years old. So I doubt very much that they had heard Jesus speak uh, when uh, they had known him for all those years. Now, I can't prove that from the scriptures, but that's my assumption, that they would not have heard a great deal about uh, Jesus' teaching up until this point. But uh, now they're exposed, Matthew 13, 54. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue. So he's standing before them, opening the scriptures, and teaching them the word of God. And Jesus' teachings and miracles were amazing. So it says that in verse 54, coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were amazed. They were astonished. They were taken back, both by his teaching and by his miracles. Both were flabbergasting. Uh, they were just astonished by what they had heard and by what he had done. So what was the explanation that could be offered concerning the man Jesus? Matthew 13, 54. Note the underlying section. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? That was the burning question. That was the conversation that took place among those that had heard him. <clears throat> Where did he get this wisdom and the ability to perform these mighty works, these miracles? Notice, number one, they accepted Jesus' teaching as being unique, for they were astonished. And uh, the next underlined word, at his wisdom, at his, at his understanding, at his ability to open the scriptures, to explain them and to apply them. Elsewhere in the word of God, we are told that when people heard Jesus, they said, no one has ever spoken like this man has spoken. He doesn't speak like the priests. He doesn't speak like the Pharisees. He speaks with a, a unique authority 
And not only a unique authority, but an ability to, to comprehend and to explain and apply the word of God. And so it's, it's astonishing. They accepted Jesus' work as miracles. For they said in the end of verse 54, uh, and, and where are these mighty works? Where do those come from? This ability to perform miracles. How does he do that? Was the question. So number three, the question was, where did this ability and new neatness come from? Where did this man get this? And notice the emphasis is this man, not the son of God. Where did this man get this? Now, why did they ask that question? Well, number two, the reason for the enigma, what they knew about the man, Jesus. They knew a great deal about Jesus. And what they knew was, number one, there was nothing special about Jesus' father. For notice they asked the question, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this the carpenter's son? Jesus, you know. Uh, but they, they don't refer to him as, as Joseph's son. They knew that Joseph was his father. But they referred to him by his occupation. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Now this is not a uh, diss on carpenters. This was not an insult, as though a, a carpenter was uh, someone that you're going to look down upon. There, there was nothing that was uh, degrading about being a carpenter. That was a good, legitimate occupation. Nothing about a reproach here. But the issue was, in relationship to Jesus' wisdom and understanding and instruction. For the emphasis is that Jesus' father was not a priest. Jesus' father was not an individual that was particularly schooled in the scriptures. Now Joseph was a devout man. Joseph was a godly man. But he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a scholar, he wasn't one that was particularly gifted in, in understanding of the scriptures. Joseph would not have been lecturing in the synagogues. They wouldn't have been hearing from Joseph. Joseph's a carpenter. That's what Joseph does. So where did Jesus get that answer? Well, it doesn't seem like he came from his father. Doesn't seem like his father taught him all this. It doesn't seem like he's a chip off the old block. It's hard to see that, that Joseph has anything to do with this. B, there's nothing special about Jesus' mother. Matthew 13, 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And in their mind, there's nothing special about Mary. She never did any miracles. There are no recorded miracles of, Je of Mary in the Bible. So it doesn't seem as though Jesus inherited these abilities from her. That 
the reason that he's able to perform miracles is, well, obviously, because Mary performed all these miracles. Look at what Mary has done. No, no, Mary didn't do any miracles. So his father is not the source of his wisdom. Mary is not the source of his miracles. So where does it come from? How does it happen? See, there was nothing special about Jesus' brothers and sisters. They were not setting the world on fire. If you notice in verse 55, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his, his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and are not all his sisters with us? Again, the question, where then did this man get these things? We know his sisters. We know his brothers. They don't speak with that kind of authority. They don't speak with that kind of verve. They don't have that kind of wisdom. They've never performed any miracles. They've never done anything extraordinary at all. An ordinary father, an ordinary mother, an ordinary set of siblings. Where does this come from? It doesn't seem to run in the family. That's the point. So, verse 56. Under D. So the question is, where did this man, Jesus, get his ability? It does not come from his parents. Where then did this man get all these things? Their response to Jesus. They viewed Jesus' claims and actions as totally inappropriate. It says in verse 57 that they took offense at him. It's the word from which we get our English word scandal. That was scandalous. That which produces public outrage. That which is immoral or inappropriate. These claims of Jesus, these actions of Jesus, these works of Jesus did not seem to be in keeping with who he was. He shouldn't have been teaching. He shouldn't have been doing these, these acts. Conduct, which is disgraceful, that his claims were not worthy of honor, but rather ridicule and rebuke. Thus, Jesus' word that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and household. Notice verse 57. They took offense to him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And we know that at this point, the scripture tells us that not even his brothers believed on him. They looked at Jesus and again an, an enigma. They, they didn't believe. So what did they fail to believe about Jesus? What did they fail to believe about Jesus? What didn't they believe? Notice verse 58, he did not do these mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. So what didn't they believe about Jesus? Well, first, they failed to believe that he was the God-man. They reasoned there was nothing about his father that was special. His father was a carpenter. That was true. But Joseph was not his father, not his biological father. God was his father, Luke 135, the birth narrative. 
And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. It was because Jesus was the Son of God that he had such great wisdom. Now we have an account of Jesus when he's approximately 13 years of age. Luke 2, 41 and following. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And the feast was ended as they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed. Here we go again. They're astonished. They're amazed at his understanding and his answers. His questions were so insightful. The dialogue that he had with the priest, the answers he gave, a 12-year-old boy. Verse 48, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Did you not know that I had to be where the word of God is taught, where the word of God is instructed? Where I could worship? Another translation says, did you not know I must be about my father's business? That's a good translation. The idea is doing my father's work. This was his training. This was his preparation. This came not from his earthly father. It came from his heavenly father. His true father. Further, it was his dedication to the law of God as the son of God that gave him such wisdom. Luke 2, 51 and 52. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She just reflected on everything that she saw. Jesus is constantly amazing her. And she's constantly reflecting on what Jesus says and what Jesus is doing. And verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. But where does it come from? It comes from his father. His heavenly father. These people reasoned that there was nothing special about Mary. Matthew 13, 55. Is not the carpenter's son, is not his mother called Mary? Number one, they were right. There was nothing special about Mary in her own right. We don't worship Mary. And we don't put Mary on a pedestal because there is nothing unique in Mary. There is the, the doctrine of the Catholic Church of the Immaculate Conception. 
The Immaculate Conception doesn't refer to Jesus, it refers to Mary, meaning that Mary was born without sin. Mary was not born without sin. Mary needed a savior just as everyone else does. And, Jesus, and Mary had to believe in her own son in order to have eternal life. No, Mary doesn't explain where his power comes from. Mary is not unique in that sense. The abilities that Jesus possessed, number two, did not come from her. The power came from God. They reasoned that there was nothing special about Jesus' brothers and sisters. Are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and are not all his sisters with us? Jesus was, in fact, different from his brothers and sisters. Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. Luke chapter 1, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. This is the angel speaking to Mary. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? How am I going to have a child when I haven't had a sexual relationship with a man? How is that possible? She asks. Verse 35, The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are going to be able to bear this child. It will not be through a sexual relationship with a man. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was to be found with child from the Holy Spirit. Two, Mary was not a virgin when her other children were born. They were half-brothers and sisters to Jesus. Again, the Catholic Church teaches the perpetual virginity of Mary, that she was a virgin and always was a virgin, but that's not what the scriptures teach. Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. That was to marry uh, uh, Mary. At this time, they are espoused. Uh, they are engaged. A little more serious than what we think of engagement today. Uh, but had not yet consummated the marriage. They were betrothed to each other, but they were not yet married. So now he takes her to be his wife. That formal last step in this relationship. Verse 25, but knew her not, meaning had no sexual relationship with her until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So, he did not have a sexual relationship with his wife until Jesus is born. But once Jesus is born, they had a normal sex life, Joseph and Mary. And the result was they had a lot of kids, and their names are listed here. And so, they look at Jesus' brothers and sisters, and they say, well, there's nothing that separates him from his brothers and sisters, except there was. They were half-brothers and sisters. 
Their mother wasn't a virgin. His mother was a virgin. Their father was not the son was not God. Jesus' father was God. That's the difference. That's the difference. They were not children of God as Jesus was. So the conclusion. In each instance, what distinguished Jesus from the rest of his earthly family was that he alone was the Son of God. See, that's what makes him so unique. That's why those narratives are so important. That's why these Bible stories that we talk about Christmas are so significant because they explain who Jesus is. They explain where this man gets this wisdom and this power because he's not a simple man. He is not just the son of Mary and Joseph, but he is the true son of God. He was born of a virgin. God is his father, and it explains where his wisdom comes from and where his power comes from. B, to understand who Jesus is, one must understand that he is the son of God. To understand that Jesus was the son of God, one has to understand that Jesus was born of a virgin. See, that's not just a nice, quaint story. But it is essential to who Jesus is. If he wasn't born of a virgin, Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus had no earthly father. He had God as his father. He was the son of God. E, this explains who Jesus really is and where his power and wisdom come from. This is where it all starts in our understanding of who Jesus is, where he gets his wisdom, where he gets his power. In responding to Jesus, these Christmas stories, these birth narratives are indeed essential that we understand these truths for they are the explanation of who Jesus is. So I trust this morning that as you think upon the Christmas story, that you understand that it is indeed a historical narrative. It's a statement of truth. We heard about the shepherds this morning. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed right about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And as the angels went away up into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen these things, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all they who heard it were amazed at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and they had seen. May we glorify God for what we have heard and seen of the Christmas story. For we understand that he is the Son of God, the Savior of those who place their faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the truth of his birth, that truly he was sent from God. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem them that were under law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the essential nature of who Jesus is, for it explains not only his life, but it also explains his death, why Jesus died on the cross, and why that death was so effectual for us, why he could take away our sins, why he could be our savior, because he indeed is the son of God. We thank you and praise you, O God, for sending your son to redeem us, For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.